0: your host of A Pin and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. I cannot express how excited I am to have on today's guest, uh, former college head coach and NBA assistant with both the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, a, a terrific author of the book, Why the Best Are the Best, NBA world champion in 2008. Uh, Mr. Kevin Eastman, Coach Eastman, how's how's everything for you this morning?
1: Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Marty. Um, uh, things are as good as can be. You know, we're like everybody else right now, um, trying to uh, make sure we still stay productive uh, in a, a really challenging time. So, um, so I guess I'm like everybody else uh, that is is listening uh, to this podcast.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I hope everybody is as is, is healthy and safe in your world and, and everybody else's that is listening here. Um but I know you're on a limited uh we're, we're on a little bit of a limited time scale here, so I just kinda wanna jump right into it with you if if you're okay with that. So um like I told you before we start going, I kinda wanted to zig while everybody else was zagging a little bit. So um I I I have admired your stuff for a long time. I, I uh you know, uh, I, I've watched about every clip that I could find ever on uh, on YouTube about you and, and and your posts and stuff. One of the things I think is really unique is your organizational style and your uh, your bullet point speaking style. How did you how did you develop that?
1: Well, for me, it just uh, made sense because I think so often we try to uh, sound intelligent, sound sophisticated, and what I found out was that the, the true success lies in the simplicity and the confusion lives in the sophistication. So I was never one that worried about whether people thought uh, I was intelligent, uh, but I always worried about if my messages get across and mm-hmm. were the messages uh, not only uh, usable, but, but quickly actionable so with that i I just kind of got into uh simplifying any teaching thing that i did i tried to just bring everything into three bullet points because i thought the players could uh remember that a lot easier they could uh i believe turn those things into something they didn't have to think about they just instinctually knew and like um uh, a book I read way uh, many, 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 many years ago it was by Darrell Royal, the, the former uh, oh, football coach at the University Texas. of Texas. Yep, yeah, and he said a hesitant athlete is
2: a non athlete. So I just wanted to simplify things,
1: and and the best way for me to do that was just to go to the bullet point system.
0: Okay, and and that makes perfect sense. That you know, and and I, I love the the true success lies in the simplicity. You know, some people call it the kiss theory, keep it simple, stupid, that type of thing. So uh, absolutely makes sense. Um, you are most known for your achievements as an assistant coach. Like I said, you had the great run in Boston, and then you guys uh, kind of transplanted the whole uh, brain trust with you and Doc and and uh, Lawrence Frank and went out to Los Angeles uh, with the Clippers. Um, what what was, what was your greatest strengths as an assistant coach, and, and what makes a really, really good assistant coach to help out the head coach? Well, I, I
1: think what makes a, an assistant coach really good is that they understand their role on the staff. They execute their
2: role uh, to the best of their capability, uh, and they do that every single day. They're not trying
1: to uh, uh, expand their role into somebody else's role. No, we each have roles. Like For me, under Doc, uh, I did not have a large speak-during-practice role. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doc had the largest, and then whoever was our defensive coordinator uh, had the second most, and then the rest of us more or less just chimed in quick-hit bullet points to players. You know, because with Doc, uh, he wanted to practice uh, to continually to be moving and running uh, rather than stopping and pausing, uh, because that's the one thing that that especially professional players they hate that. So uh, for me, I would sometimes have friends come and they would say, uh, "Gosh, you know a lot about the game, but you don't talk that much in practice." And I was always <laughs> always tell
2: them that's not my
1: my role. Mm-hmm. My role is to. Uh, to have big eyes and big ears so that I see everything, I hear everything, and then that allows me to, on a daily basis, provide Doc with ideas, suggestions, uh, things I saw, things I heard, things he needs to address. So the way I did it was I I gave him almost a daily report. Um, In the beginning of the year, it could have been, or after a game, in the beginning of the year, it might have been 20 pages of every single little thing I saw. And then I would just hand it to him or slip it under his door. If we were on the road, mm-hmm. my role was to get it under his door before he woke up. Uh, if I was at, uh, at home, uh, it, say in our home base, then I would have it on his desk before he came in and then he could do with it what he wanted to.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the one thing that I will say to any assistant coaches out there, uh, cause doc and I were on a panel at a clinic together. And they opened, the, uh, opened it up to Q&A from the audience of coaches. And one coach said, what makes a great assistant? And uh, my first thought was, oh, now, now he's going to rip on me because I'm sitting right next to him. <laughs> but what he did is he pointed to me and said, Kevin. And then he explained the one thing that he, he thought was... Uh, very unique was that I would give them all these ideas and I would never go back and say, Hey, are you going to use that? Hey, did you, did you read that? Hey, how come you didn't say that to our team? That's not my role. My role is to provide information to help doc rivers become the best coach he can be. Cause when doc can just coach and doesn't have to worry about all the other stuff that goes with coaching, uh, you know, uh, reprimanding players, players who might, you know, get in a little bit of trouble. We took care of all that. Myself, Lawrence, uh, all of us tried to take, now there are times where your head coach has to come in. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. And, and Doc was great about coming in.
0: Mm -hmm. What were, what were some of the things that were high on your radar on those daily reports? Like, uh, you know, your, your, your eyes were a little bigger or your ears were a little, uh, bigger, uh, that you kind of, you know, the, the top, Three, four priorities that you were looking for every day, or did it kind of change on a on a daily basis or with each team?
1: It changed because I didn't want to predetermine what I was going to look at.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I went in each and every day with a fresh set of eyes, uh, a fresh set of, of ears. Um, you know, the, the things you're looking for, uh, especially on the practice floor, uh, are you succinctly teaching uh, the drill. Are you making sure that everybody understands it before we get into it? Because you can look around and see, especially when you're not doing it yourself. Like, let's say, uh, Tom Thibodeau, who was our defensive guy with the Celtics. If he was putting in a a new drill, he was concerned about getting the guys in the right spots, making sure they knew how we were going to defend the pick and roll. He may not see that that player over in the corner, by his body language, totally isn't getting it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where we came in. So we might have to walk over even then and say, "Hey, you got this." And then that that those notes afterwards would be, "Hey, tomorrow we probably got to get John in early." because mm-hmm. he didn't fully grasp what we were talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, it would be things like that. It would be uh, maybe body language of players that maybe told me that, hey, that player's a little down about something. We gotta find out what that is. Or it may be that Doc got on one player exceedingly hard that day so one note might be hey see if you can't find a way to pat him on the back tomorrow Mm -hmm. Uh, and then obviously just the the technical things that we didn't do well Mm -hmm. uh, from an execution standpoint and an X and O standpoint so it really varied Mm -hmm. Um, the big thing was to uh, stay sharp
2: each and every day but also do your you know
1: uh, I called it sideline coaching when a player came out I could do my real coaching then right even though my friends might not have seen me doing that, right, because they were there watching practice, and they just heard Doc and Tibbs
0: talking all the time, there was a lot more coaching being done uh, than people probably even would know. Oh, yeah. And that is that is so valuable to have somebody uh, as a head coach on the sideline that, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, Coach Eastman, take – Take George over here and, and help him out. Or you, you know, when you need to grab George and you have that innate instinct to, to, to grab a dude and say, Hey, you all right, this is what we're, this is what I'm seeing here. You know, it, it is so tremendously valuable in, in some ways it's more valuable than the big bombastic stuff in front of the team. Uh, because that's where the real connections are made. Don't you think? mm mm-hmm. yep. yep. No question. Yep. No question. Yep. Um, what separates Doc Rivers from everybody else?
2: Um, a couple of things in, in no particular order. He has a, an insatiable curiosity
1: about how he can become better as a coach, as a communicator. I remember one time, um, and some of your listeners may, may know of this person, uh, but he wasn't this person back then. Mm-hmm. so uh, a friend of mine at the time and this is this person I'm talking about uh, John Gordon the author yep. uh, he was out in uh, he, he came to Boston to do a talk to a, a company there in Boston so he said hey do you think it would be uh, uh, any way we could get Doc and the three of us go out to dinner I said let me check so I checked with Doc and he was good so uh, as you know by reading about Doc he's one of the best communicators Mm-hmm. in the game, in any sport, really. Mm-hmm. He's got a unique ability
2: to communicate with his players. So John, uh, maybe halfway through dinner, he said, Doc, can
1: I ask you something? And Doc said, sure. He said, um, what do you think you need to improve the most? And and John was ready for him to say, our pick-and-roll defense or, or fast break or whatever. And Doc looked at him he said, you know, I just need to become a better communicator. And it hit John... And me, too. It really hit John because he thought that, the, that Doc was one of the best and he was kind of on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. So what that said was, even though Doc is really good at what he does in the communication field, he still wants to get better. So he would find ways to send, you know, he may read a book, he may read a business book and something in there might be able to say what he's been saying, but say it better mm-hmm. and say it differently differently like I was at the university of Alabama speaking to the basketball team mm-hmm. and, uh, coach Saban, uh, uh, knew that I was on campus or found out. So he had his administrative assistant contact the basketball coach's administrative assistant and said, uh, Hey, is there any way Kevin could, could, could meet me for 30 minutes at 11 AM? Well, you know, of course I would say, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, went, so I went over there and we we're sitting down in his office And this gets to what I was talking about uh, with Doc. And Nick says, hey, you know, uh, I read your book. And uh, uh, what I found the most out of your book is as coaches, we all pretty much say the same things. And we try and get the same things across to our players, hard work, trust each other, all those things that we try and get our teams to do, no matter what level we coach at. And Nick said, what your book allowed me to do was say some of those Take those same topics, but say them differently and say them more in in a way that, that our guys could easily remember. Because it gets back to our first question, the mm-hmm. bullet points, right? Quick, mm-hmm. get things that his football team could remember. So Doc's the same way. What you find out is the best of the best, they're so curious. Mm-hmm. They don't ever want to stay where they are. They want to be a little bit better tomorrow uh, than they are today. So that was number one. Number two was his ability to read people. He just – he didn't just uh, look at a person. He really saw. He might see one of our players walk on the practice floor, and he might turn to me and say, we got to watch, let's say, Paul. we got to watch Paul today.
3: Mm-hmm. I might say, why? He said, look at his shoulders. They're slumped.
1: Look how slow his gait is. He never walks out with that gait. Mm-hmm. Look at his right eye up in the, in the top corner. It's bloodshot. He didn't probably get any sleep last night. Yeah. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, I just saw Paul Pierce walk out. I didn't see all the other stuff. Yeah. So, so that was, that was, Doc could read people. And it wasn't like, oh, we got to go over and tell Paul. He better practice hard today because it looks like he's not prepared. No, no, no. That's not why uh, Doc was so intent with his, his reading people. He just wanted to be aware of it. If, if Paul was going south, maybe in practice today, at least he probably knew there might be a reason.
3: Mm -hmm. so um so he's very good there and he was exceptional on the offensive end Mm -hmm. when you're just talking about pure
1: basketball exceptional uh, at, at drawing up plays creating plays putting guys in the right position relative to their strengths uh and then the last thing i would throw out from a pure coaching standpoint he knew his gaps he knew his gaps every coach has gaps in their knowledge uh and maybe even their teaching ability,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's why we went to hiring these great defensive minds: Tom Thibodeau, Lawrence Frank, Mike Longabardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Doc was not afraid to uh, hire somebody and say, "Hey, you run with this. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. But like, you run with this. You, you, this is your deal. This is your part of our system."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right away. Yeah, and and that's uh you know it's it's it takes a, a a strong person to say this is what I don't know you do this better than me go with it, uh, it it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength to me in in my eyes um, and and I think that's a that's a terrific uh, way to look at it um, I know you've probably been asked a million times about uh, the big three during your stretch in Boston. Uh, with uh, Pierce, Garnett, and and Allen, uh, but the fascinating guy on that team, and the guy that I thought brought it all together, uh, was Rajon Rondo, and why was he such a perfect fit for that group, and what make, you know, by, by 2010 or 11, he was the best player on the team, he had kind of lapped uh, I don't want to say lapped, but but he was probably maybe perhaps the most important piece. And, and, and he was a, a, a unique player to coach, I would imagine, just based on the things that I've read about him and seen about him and stuff. What, what made him so important to that group and such a special, you know, the perfect fit for that group?
1: Well, his strength was probably his weakness too in that he was a basketball savant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, uh, like in the playoffs where you really hone in on a team, you may have a, uh, a 60 page booklet on the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers Mm -hmm. and every one of their sets, you know, all 75 of their set play calls, right? Yep. Rondo would know every one the very next day. And he just had this ability, uh, with his basketball knowledge to, to be able to go deeper, uh, than almost any player, uh, and Doc would say the same thing, almost any player that he's ever seen in the NBA. But that was also a liability in that he would get frustrated, right? Yeah. Well, why Why don't you know that? <laughs> you know, they, they only have 75 plays. How can you know all 75? Right? He's, you know, with Rondo, it would be like, now if they had like 3,000, yeah, that might be a little bit hard for me to grasp. Uh-huh. But 75 is easy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so, uh, but Rondo had to evolve, had to develop, because Rondo wasn't Rondo even in the beginning of
2: 2008. Yep, when he won
1: the championship,
3: uh-huh.
1: he, he had to learn how to fit in. Um, he had to learn how to send his messages. Um, uh, those types of things. Uh, he was starting to really get a grasp of seeing the game the way Doc saw the game, and. That's very important in any of your top players. Mm-hmm. They, they they need to see the game the way the coach sees the game. So, um, but and 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 Rondo could be a shutdown defender uh, when he wanted to be for sure.
2: Yeah. And um,
1: uh, so uh, for us, you know, uh, what you saw was Rajan Rondo. Like when we won it in two thousand and eight mm-hmm. with what they called the Big Three. Mm-hmm. Now, Perk and Rondo wanted to actually have it be the Big Five, but uh, I guess people weren't wanting that. So, um,
0: <laughs> Especially they the media. For that every
1: day, forget the Big Three, we're the Big Five. <laughs> so, however many numbers you want, Perk, good, we're good. But, um, because <laughs> Perk was every bit as valuable in what he did,
0: absolutely, as Kevin Garnett was in
1: what he did,
2: absolutely. But the one
0: that no one
1: ever talks about was James Posey.
0: Oh, he was terrific in the playoffs yeah, that he came whole season. Off the bench, yeah, yeah. For us. yep, yeah, he was the perfect because fit.
1: Yeah, he, he was the first guy that made me start to think about, okay, there's captains, but who's the captain of your second unit?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who can get your second unit ready to practice every day and ready to, to, to execute the role of a bench player on, on game night? And, and the one thing Posey brought to us was he was the only one in 2008 who knew what it took to win a title because they did when he was with Miami. Mm -hmm. nobody else knew they could say they knew but nobody else knew
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and Pose in his own way got us to understand uh, how competitive practice has to be how important the little things are how critical it is to know what's going on in a game maybe uh, maybe their big guy uh, has three fouls on him and their team just called a cross screen action for him to go from one block to the other Posey's guarding the screen, is so he jumps out and takes a charge, gets the fourth foul on the big guy. These are things that Pose brought to us that uh, were key elements for us winning uh, the championship. Yeah. And then the other guy would be PJ Brown. Yeah, yep. PJ was huge in so limited minutes. Uh, but we, you know where he was huge? He was huge, and, that, and it really hit me. We were in Detroit playing them, and I had. Uh, Just left the hotel and went out to get a takeout order for lunch. And I uh, see PJ Brown and one of our other players walking down the street. And by the body language, you could tell PJ was teaching and preaching Mm -hmm. uh, that player. So those are the things you don't see, but are ultra, ultra valuable. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Kind of, you're talking about like Posey and PJ Brown. Uh, You know, Don Meyer always used to say, you can pick your captains, but you can't pick your leaders. And, and you know, and it sounds like that's exactly what you're talking about there.
1: No question, yeah. no question. Because sometimes, sometimes the best leadership is invisible.
0: Yes, yes. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to talk about your book a little bit here. I got three bit. I. I Coach, you owe me a, a couple of doctor's bills because I kind of up, cramped up while I was highlighting everything in the book. I think I've got, I think I've got more highlighted than is not highlighted in here. Uh, but just a, a terrific uh, book here. Why the best are the best? Um, there's there's three things I wanted to ask about, and I could spend hours talking about this book with you. Uh, but there's three things I wanted to pick out of here uh, that I would. Uh, I was wondering if you would be uh, uh, willing to to expand uh, a little bit more on. Uh, to, to help our coaches out here, okay? Um, here's the the first, uh, and this is a quote uh, that I that I think is important for any team. Every team has issues, but winners get through them and get past them. Um, could you kind of expand on that and your experiences with that, maybe some tips on, on, on how to work through those situations?
1: Yeah, I mean, when, when you're in a competitive environment, that usually brings with it... Um
3: emotion Mm -hmm. and when you're and
2: everything's relative so in the nba it's the
1: best of the best that made it there in high school especially the players who play a lot it's the best of the best that high school basketball has in that area
2: Mm -hmm. right or in your league so usually usually you find with with
1: athletes they're very very competitive so uh, we knew there would be some, some flare-ups during the year. It could be maybe one of our guys doesn't think they're getting enough shots. Or another one of our guys is what we, we always used to say, keeping score. Well, I got corrected and yelled at seven times this week.
2: <laughs> and he only got yelled at one time. And he did the same things I did. So there's, there's always issues throughout the course of the year. Um, and some issues may be off the
1: floor. Maybe there's a problem at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a, a, a spouse got very sick. So you have to constantly, like, if people can envision this, as we're even though we're we're we're, we're on a podcast, sure. make a graph. And in the lower left-hand corner, as you start the graph, what a lot of people would think over the course of a year, the line goes almost diagonally, straight up, and you eventually win a championship. So as that line's going up, getting better, getting better, getting better, getting better, getting better, and boom, you win a championship. That's not how it works. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Take it again the way it really works. The line goes up, and then there's a blip that immediately goes down, a downward arc. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of creeps back up again, and we get it back on the same path towards winning a championship, Then boom, another thing spikes lower.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Those
1: spikes are the issues. It could be, uh, how come I'm not getting any recognition? Uh, it could be, I'm not getting enough touches. It could be, Hey, he's dating my girlfriend now. Who knows what it is. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is there will be issues. The most important thing is to what we talked about with doc earlier. He had a great set of eyes and could read people. See if we can't catch those issues. Um, when they're small little weeds coming out of the ground, not these big weeds that, that take over an entire garden. As a matter of fact, Tate Slock he used to coach uh, at Clemson, and he was a longtime yep. NBA scout. Mm-hmm. And Tate's always used to say the great assistants weed the garden for the head coach. Right. Yep. So, look, whatever those problems are going to be, it could be a parent problem at the high school level. Yep. And that's seeping into the program. You're just going to have to find ways to to work through those. Because even though San Antonio, everyone said they never had any problems. Yes, they did. They just never got out.
0: Yep. Uh, uh, every t- – the New England Patriots, trust me, they had problems,
2: right? Yep. And I don't mean problems like uh, really bad. But there were
1: issues through the year. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You know, we were together. I'm going to say we were together the year we won the title – we played 117 games that year, counting preseason and all the playoff games. Yep. And I believe we were together with our team 287 days. Wow!
2: There are going to be problems, <laughs> huge challenges. Yep. But the best coaches and the best teams—they
1: uh, get through them. They talk them out. Um, they uh, they they make each other aware of it. They're not afraid to tell the truth. And the biggest thing about that, and it was this way for the most part with Boston, uh, great teams never take things personally. And when you don't take things personally, you can tell each other the truth. And that team lived the truth every day.
0: The second of uh, three things I wanted to talk about from the book, but this was uh, that last five minutes was just awesome, Kevin. That was that was really really great information. Um, I loved the part about the champion's compass um, and and everything that you put into that, and and that's kind of building on some of the things that you just talked about here. But if could you go into a little bit more depth with the champion's compass and the things that you need to be a champion.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing there is for picture now, uh, people now just in their mind's eye
2: picture a compass, and then think about what what does a compass do?
1: Well, it can it can get you going in the right direction. Number one, for sure. And if it if you get lost, it can put you back in the right direction. So with the champions compass, what I did because Doc, uh, let's see. It was in in Los Angeles, and I remember him um, saying one day to our team uh, that, look, we've done a lot of winning here in Los Angeles, which we did. Mm -hmm. We were winning 50-plus games a year. And at one point, we were the third winningest regular season team in the NBA over the last three years. Mm -hmm. Well, the operative word there is regular season. Yep. Right. Yep. So Doc made a statement. He said, "Guys, you know, we've done a lot of winning, but we have yet to be the winner. Mm-hmm. And we've got to change the mindset around here. And 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 our goal has to be the winner. Now it's hard to do. Really hard to do. I was in the league for 13 years. We we were the winner one time. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. um, so it's hard to do. So I started to study that off season with articles I read, conversations I had, coaches of teams who have won it. Uh, You know, what was the separator? And I came up with what I call the champion's compass. And just as a compass has uh, an N, an S, an E, and a W, north, south, east, west, so too does the champion's compass have words for the N the S, the E and the W and the N stands for next. And we don't have time to go deep into this, but basically getting on to the next play. That's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking your, everything that's, in, that's involved in basketball
2: to the next level, your preparation, your conditioning, your communication
1: on the floor, your reaction to problems that are happening during the game, take it to the next level. So that's the end. The S stands for simple. And that's all about execution because what I found is those teams that win it and are the winner, they have very few spectacular, truly spectacular plays. Now, you could say uh, Steph pulling up from 85 feet is spectacular. I'm talking about trying to do dunks and reverse dunks and all that. Very few spectacular plays.
2: The Winning takes place in
1: the world of simple, not the world of spectacular. The E stands for every, just making sure that every second of every day, of every week, of every month, of every season, that we're taking care of the things that are important for us, our team, to be able to win. And also that everybody counts. Everybody matters, matters, Mm -hmm. from the 15th player to the best, to the first. Uh, And then the W stands for willing. You know, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to be a teammate? Are you willing to accept your role? Are you willing to to come out of the game right now, or, or not go back in because another player is playing really well? Mm-hmm. The, the the ones who became championship teams that particular year in any sport, they're the ones that took care of the champions' compass.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a simple. You know, like you said, you can you can picture a compass, and and it's just here's here's the four simple. And it's not simple, like you said, it's it's difficult to keep it simple. But but here's the thing that you come back to these four traits, and you're gonna you're gonna put yourself in the best position possible to be the winner if you follow these four things. And and it, you you could follow all these four things and not be the winner, but if you don't follow these four things you probably don't have much of a chance to be a winner. Is that part of the message too, Coach? Yeah, no question. No question. Um, It's it's
2: like you said, not so much uh, that the importance be laid on
1: you have to do these things as the importance being laid on. If you don't do them, you probably don't put yourself – because all we ask in the NBA is to be in the conversation at the end to win a championship because then you're in the, say, final fourteen. You're in the finals, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, or in high school, you're in the district. At first, you're in the playoffs, and then you get into the you know the final four of the states, and then you get to the state championship game. Uh, so, it, it, with I we we know this if those four things are taken care of, you got a shot to be the along with the other things that go with with what you do with, with
0: your system and everything else. You got a shot at being the best team you can be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, One more thing from the, from the book directly here, Uh, know-it-alls versus learn-it-alls. And I I love that phrasing and what you went through with that. Could you, could you go through that real quick?
1: Yeah, that's just basically gets back to what we talked about with Doc Rivers and and his curiosity gene. I mean, Steve Kerr has it, Bill Belichick has it. You know, it's interesting. um, When we were with the Celtics, uh, Bill Belichick used to always have Doc come over uh, and speak to their team. And uh, when Doc would come back, I remember the first time he spoke and Doc was, you know, he was excited about going over and sharing because we had just won the title, mm-hmm. not sharing what we he thought was important for us to win the title. And when he got back, uh, the first question I asked him is, what's the first thing you noticed when you walked into the room to present to the team? And he said, oh, man, that was easy. Smack dab in the middle of the room you know, can you picture a big auditorium because they've got a hundred plus football players, right? Yep. So one of those uh, ascending auditoriums,
0: like a college auditorium. Uh, type yeah, of yep. exactly. Yep.
1: So he said, when I walked in right smack dab in the middle of the first row, Bill Belichick was on the right side of the middle and Tom Brady was on the left. They both had their notebooks and they both had multiple pens some, uh, it was either I can't it was Tom or Bill had, had highlighters mm-hmm. right the best are the best for a reason right yep so yep. Uh, so get me back to the original question
0: uh, the know-it-alls versus the learn-it-alls yes
1: I just want to see if you were paying attention
0: oh I'm paying oh coach I'm hey. locked in I'm locked not, in not, not,
1: not really I forgot what the original
0: was <laughs> so, uh, uh,
1: so uh, you, those two were learn-it-alls
3: yep and,
1: uh, learn it all is simply that you admit to yourself, you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. You have a vulnerability uh, about you where, uh, you know, that like Jay Billis told me something, uh, maybe 10 years ago and it has stuck with me ever since he said, you know, everyone you meet knows something you don't. So doesn't it make sense to pay attention? And, and the answer to that question that Jay posed was, yeah, yeah. You just never know. Um you know, all the best that that all the best players, coaches, even people in the corporate world that that ascend uh, up that corporate ladder. uh, They they know that there's still more out there for them to learn. Uh, And gosh, with how quickly the world's changing now, uh, if we don't keep up, uh, we're going to be behind. Right. Obviously, that's a simple statement. But here's the deal. You can't Constantly live in the world of knowledge acquisition
3: mm-hmm. because
1: if all you're doing is acquiring and acquiring and acquiring and you're filling your head with all this stuff and you never act on it, you see, those best guys not only do they have knowledge acquisition, they do the most important step knowledge application. Because there's a statement out there that we've read in all the books knowledge is power, mm-hmm. not really.
0: If you Knowledge don't use it. that just
1: stays in your head is not powerful. As a matter of fact, you could argue it's wasted. Yep. Knowledge that is applied
0: is powerful. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, we're running short on time here, Coach. I wanted to ask you one more thing and then uh, just uh, give some folks some social media information about you. One or two real quick, uh, just team building exercises or team chemistry exercises that, that you really like to help reinforce uh, the, the concepts that, that you that you preach in your book or, or, or with your teams? Well, you know, we probably didn't do,
1: in the NBA especially, quote, those, quote, uh, team exercises, uh-huh. as much as we did some things just maybe periodically. Uh-huh. And, and the first thing was, uh, you know, because everybody wants to come together as a team, right? Yep. To, to get that true team feeling. And we always found that the best
2: way to come together is to get together, right? So our players
1: themselves would, uh, would organize meals when we were on the road. Um, you know, Kevin, Paul, and, and Ray even had an agreement, and I think it was in the 2008 year when we first got there, is every road trip, no matter how long it was, once during that road trip, uh, one of those guys, they'd invite the entire team, and Paul, Kevin, and Ray would take turns. If it was uh, Paul's turn on the first road trip we took in the season, mm-hmm. he paid for the entire bill mm-hmm. of the entire team. So, you know, it got into the thousands, Yeah, right? Yeah. Then, then next road trip we took,
2: uh, it was Kevin's turn, then Ray's, and it was back to Paul's, then Kevin's, then Ray's.
1: So we came together. And not every time did every player go. Uh, They knew that wasn't going to be the case. So that was one way. The other way is is that Doc would occasionally just ask guys about themselves. Hey, tell us a little bit about your, your your. And we would know ahead of time, right? Yep. Like obviously, you wouldn't want to ask a player
2: about their father, and he's already, you know, he just passed away three weeks ago. Yeah, that would be it, right. Yeah. But maybe his dad did pass away years ago, but we knew that he really
1: respected his father. Doc would just say, hey, uh, let's say, hey, Kevin, give, a, give us a quick hit on your dad. Why was he so important to you? So that allowed the players to get inside of the, in their teammates' heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So, um, you know, it was just kind of things like that. We've even do things on the court. Like Doc used to always do this thing of, uh, I just called it draw it up he would stop practice and say, okay, uh, Green, you're a ball. Uh, Ray Allen, you're the coach. Draw up a play for your team. Right? Mm-hmm. So they would get to see Ray and and, and they could maybe even react to that play or, hey, we could do this. It kind of built a little, like, uh, teamness about that group in that small little time period in that tiny little drill we did. And it also got them to see a little bit about uh, uh, Ray and how he would, would do that you know? Mm -hmm.
3: So, but we didn't have like,
1: uh, sit down and come by ya exercises, right? It it just, it just wouldn't have fit, uh, for, for that level. I don't think there's anything against that. You Uh know what I'm finding actually with the book is, and it wasn't the intent of the book to tell you the truth, but we've got teams at all different levels using the book. And, and what they do is, uh, they have, cause there's 25 words that are involved in the book they have each player take one or two words or each player pick their word that that applies to them that year. Like I've spoken to to college teams Mm -hmm. and I won't name the name, but one team I came in and they were all wearing sweatshirts. And I kind of looked and uh, they had like different things on the front Mm -hmm. of their sweatshirt. And then I looked even closer and each of them, picked their own word, and they had sweatshirts made up. Wow. So they they had to live those words every day. Right? But yeah. the biggest thing was they had to go in front of their team and explain why it applied to them. Yeah. And what I found out from the, all these coaches who have used it is their teammates got a, a, a little deeper look into who their teammate was.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, John Gordon always talks about his favorite exercise is, um, uh, he
0: asked people to, 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 talk about their hero and their hardship in life. Yeah. I actually used right. that one year with the team and it was a great exercise. Hero, hardship, yeah. highlight. Yeah. That was really good. That yeah. helped bring us together. Yep. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, speaking of which coach, um, you know, why the best are the best, the 25 powerful words that impact, inspire, and define champions. If there's anybody listening here that would be interested in perhaps a, a bulk order or or even just a simple copy for themselves and, and they can't get to Barnes & Noble or whatever it may be because of our, our current situation, uh, what what are some ways that they can maybe, especially like like I said, if they're looking for a bulk order for their team, is there a way they could do that? Yeah, and...
1: and um what they can do is go to our website, it's kevineastman.net, mm-hmm. and they'll see a section there, uh, they'll see an icon where they can just uh, click a link to the book. Uh, they can also, if they want, uh, my my wife Wendy kind of runs that side of the business, actually she runs almost the entire business that we have, <laughs> I'm just supposed to speak
0: and, and not do anything else to mess it up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Her, her email is
1: Wendy, W E N D Y, at KevinEastman.net. And they can certainly email Wendy and, and uh, she can take care of them. And we, we do have discounts because of the situation that, that, that we're in right now. We just kind of want to do our small part. So that's available. And then the other thing I would throw out uh, is if, if, if people are kind of bullet point conscious and they like bullet points, uh, what, what I do with my Twitter account is uh, put up a bullet a day that it deals with coaching, upward
2: mobility in your career, teamwork, leadership, maybe an occasional
1: kind of X and O bullet. But uh, I don't know. I Gosh, we might have, gosh, I, don't, I don't even know, 36,000 followers, something like that. Yep. So there's a lot of people out there, in not just sports, but in the corporate world, that might be able to take that bullet point, even change it and make it their own and put it in front of their team. I don't know how many times we've had coaches right back showing us a picture of, uh, kind of a, a tweet that was, and they put it up on the bulletin board or whatever. Yeah. So that's available too, for a quick hit
0: each and every day. What, and what's your Twitter again, coach? Uh, at Kevin Eastman. Uh, at Kevin Eastman. Yeah, I got real creative with that one. So. <laughs> kind of like I call, you know, this is at a, at a pen and a napkin. So, uh, that's, that's exactly. our, that's our Twitter handle here. So, uh, again, uh, you know, keep it, uh, keep it all simple. You know, uh, that's where the beauty lies. So uh, coach, I I hope I threw some things at you that you don't normally are asked. And and I kind of zigged when some other people had zagged a little bit. Uh, You know, maybe when we get off air here, give me a quick report card on that. But uh, coach, this has been a thrill. Um, I, you know, I just kind of took a you know, in the wind, shot at it, and and you've been uh, terrific to work with, and I just want to thank you so much for your time here this morning, uh, as we as we wrap everything up, and I know your time is precious, so uh, I just I just want to say thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's greatly, greatly appreciated.
1: No, I think uh, well, uh, thank you for having me. I, I think that the, these platforms that allow uh, uh, sharing to take place, I, I think they're so important. Uh, uh, you know, especially now, uh, but. I, I think people shouldn't stop listening and you can't listen to everyone. Just you, you pick your three, four, whatever it is. And, and, uh, you just take a note, like you say, a, a pen and a napkin, or
0: maybe you're really sophisticated and actually have a yellow legal pad and you just take your, take your
2: notes and, and, and
1: learn
0: each and every day. Be that. Learn it all. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well if you just hold the line for one quick second here, just need to wrap everything up. We want to thank Kevin Eastman, Again, former NBA uh, assistant, former college head coach, world champion at the NBA level, and terrific author. Uh, Any chance of a sequel to the book, Coach?
1: Well, um, I'm in the process of trying to choose between – there's probably four books that I want to write. I definitely didn't want to write them year after year. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, uh, that would be good for my health. So, uh, so, you know, I'm starting to put together – packets of information for each of the four that i want to uh that's part of the, what i've spent this time on uh, since i'm not on the road speaking now yep um so that's there's a possibility
0: yep. no guarantee all right well we won't hold you to it here we won't hold you to it but uh again nba champion kevin eastman uh the best the best uh, selling book uh, why the best are the best 25 powerful words that impact inspire and define champions uh i highly encourage you to order it and uh to read it and take your time to do this Uh, coaches, as always, stay safe and be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.